chose to come and to be in this service with us. We've been in a series in the last three weeks entitled uh, Growing Through the Wilderness. And I'm really, I was standing there thinking about next week and kind of how we were planning to go. And I actually had planned to continue the series, but I'm kind of, you know, honestly and truthfully, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving just kind of jumped up on me. I mean, it got really, anybody else, did it do that to you? I mean, you're not even, I mean, you're not even ready at all for, th- you're not, especially not ready for Christmas, which is just in like, you know, a month away. And um, some of us haven't even started to try to get ready or prepare or to, to, to buy gifts and all of those things. And, and maybe this is a year that our giving ought to be uh, away from ourselves instead of to ourselves. And so we're giving you an opportunity on December the 23rd to give into this legacy Christmas offering, which will be given away from us. Everything that comes in, we're actually giving that away into ministries and to missions, and we're going to bless other people because God has blessed us so much. God has blessed us so much. Everything that you give in that legacy Christmas offering. Why a legacy Christmas offering? Because I believe that we're leaving a legacy. That God has given us so many blessings that we can't even begin to number them. And many times we think that somehow we're less fortunate than somebody else. But I'm going to tell you that as Americans we're better off than 60% probably of the rest of the world. Maybe even more than that. We are very blessed because this Thanksgiving we will be able to sit down to a meal that most of us never had to worry necessarily except what we were going to do. And that's usually the thing at my house. It isn't, are we going to get to eat? It's, what are we going to get to eat? Anybody on that page with me? And where there are a lot of people in a lot of places such as South America, which is one of the places that we support with Joe and Judy Mercer that are down in South America. And they're feeding children. One of the things that is, has always pulled on my heart is puppy dogs and kids. Anybody else? Puppy dogs and children. And, and we're feeding children down there because we're giving and they're, they started one soup kitchen and now have numerous soup kitchens where kids show up every day for a meal because they need something to eat. And down in South America, they are fortunate just to have a clean cup of water to drink and something to eat, and we're, we don't even think about that. Down in Honduras, where we're supporting the Loggins family and blessing them and doing every, everything that we can, when we were with them a couple of years ago down there, and I watched these children come in, and all the other kids were in uniforms, and I, I said something to them. I said, what about these kids that are sitting here uh, under this uh, uh, awning, under this picnic table that are in clothes that did not look like the rest of them? Because in Honduras... All the kids are supposed to wear uniforms in order to go to school. And they weren't. And I said, what about those kids? And they said, well, what happened was these kids can't go to school because they don't have uniforms. And a lot of them, they're on the streets. And we just started feeding them because they had nowhere to go and nothing to eat. And I stood there in the middle of that place crying like a big baby because I knew that when I walked back to the place, the ship that I had just come off of, that there would be more food thrown away that would feed those kids. And I would be able to pick from not just a huge array of food, 
but I could choose how many times I wanted to eat as much as I wanted to eat. And I'm telling you, my heart was ripped. So this legacy Christmas offering is going to go to reach out and we're going to give to these ministries and they're going to touch the lives of children. They're going to touch the lives of adults that we would never be able to. And you're going to be connected to that. And I want to thank you in advance for your giving. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm done with that. All right. Growing through the wilderness. We're going to start there this morning. Would you stand with me? I know that you've been standing, but one more time. I want to share with you because we're not only in this series in here, but on Wednesday nights, we've been in a series called, it is titled The Wilderness. And it's an, actually a John Bevere series that we've been in, and it's very, very good. And so we've just kind of tied this together. And since we're right here at the week of Thanksgiving, I thought about preaching on something about being thankful. And then I said, no, I really feel like this is the direction we need to go. So what is the wilderness? When we think about that, the wilderness is a place in your life. And it can be a place physically or it can be a place spiritually that you feel like that God is somehow many miles away, removed from your life. Even feel like maybe you have been abandoned in some way. And most of us, when we think about being abandoned, do not like that. I don't know about you, but I don't normally watch movies that I know that the movie's not going to be good at the end and have a happy ending. My, my son, there was a movie that Will Smith was in. What was the name of the movie? I Am Legend. Don't watch it if you haven't. Puppy Dogs Die. People don't get out alive. I don't. I like happy ending movies. Are you with me? And so today's story is about a young man who starts out well, ends up in a pit, and finally ends up with what I would think is a happy ending. And I want to share that with you today. Is that all right? Amen. Let's pray. And well, let's read, and then we're going to pray. Could we do that? Genesis thirty-seven verses two through five. Let's do that, and then we'll we'll pray. The young man is about, his name is Joseph. He comes from the family of Jacob. Some of you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, the twins that were born. And Jacob was known as a deceiver. Joseph is now his youngest son, of, or his, son, his favorite son of many. This is the account, we're in verse 2, of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He was a shepherd boy. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bila and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his fathers some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Now this is important that you get this. Verse 3, Jacob, his daddy, loved him more than any of the other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Somebody say a coat. But his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest of them. They could not say a good or a kind word about him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they didn't love him anymore. The Bible says they hated him even more. Father, we ask you now that you would help us as we go into this story. 
Father, that we would receive what your word is saying. And Lord, that we would be able to take the story, Lord, to understand it so that we can apply it to our own lives. Help us to lean in. Father, help us to, to get what you're saying. And Father, to leave here again with something more than what we came with. Now, Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this story, we're going to find several things. And I'm going to initially share with you three things and hopefully can get to all three of them so that you can write them down and you can leave here saying, I got all three. But I want to share with you in this story that Jacob, uh, Joseph's uh, father, Jacob is his dad. Joseph is the son. Jacob decides that he would give to his son, his favorite son, a ornamental or a beautiful coat. The Bible in one place calls it a coat of many colors. And we, we've, you know, you think about it in your mind, it was some kind of patchwork coat. We don't really know, but one translation calls it an ornamental robe or an ornamental coat. And he's giving that to him. Now, all of this is to, to let you understand the reason that he gives this to him. And if you've never watched the show, because my mind's running a little bit here. Uh, there's a show that Dolly Parton did on her own life. And I think, that, I think it was called The Code of Many Colors or something like that. And you will get an understanding a little bit better about what I'm about to tell you. Now, what she had was a patchwork coat. I have actually seen that coat because they had it on display there in Pigeon Forge, uh, one of the places that she owns. But in that coat, it, you remember in this story that the coat did something for little Dolly and it wasn't her favorite thing. It brought attention to her, but the people watching her hated her even the more, the people that were in her school. This is what's happening to Joseph. It marked Joseph. Somebody say marked him. Marking him simply meant that everybody that saw him, specifically his brothers, knew that he was his dad's favorite. And the Bible says that they would hate him even the more. But I want to share with you this. When God comes in, when Jesus comes into your life, when he comes into your life, God has specifically marked you as his. How does he mark you? Does he put this thing on your head? No, he's not doing that. Does he put a coat on your back? He's not. It, I call it, he's marking you with a thing called favor. Now, favor is something that God allows us to have. What is the favor of God? The favor of God is the, what I would call the blessings of the Lord. The blessing of God that comes upon your life even when you don't deserve it. Even when you, don't, you shouldn't even have it. Even when you did not deserve any of those things, God has blessed you or marked you with the favor of God, which means you walk out of a, into a business and somebody says to you, I don't know what it is about you, but, but there's something about you and I want to I give you this. I want to bless you with this. And I could go into a, a long drawn out thing here about the blessings of God, but to bring this story as short as I can, Jacob was marked with the favor of his father upon his life and his brothers didn't like it. Favor is not always fair. Favor is not always fair. Favor is not always fair to those that are on looking or to others. So some people will look at you and say, you don't deserve this. And the truth of it is, most of us don't deserve the grace of our Father. But because His Son came, gave His life, unmerited favor, unmerited grace upon our lives, we can know Him and be saved and not have to end up in hell. Okay, That's a good thing, isn't it? 
The, the favor of God, what is it? The favor of God says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My, my God will supply my needs. God's going to take care of me. Even when I don't know how I'm going to take care of myself, God is looking out after me. I believe that about the Lord. You see, I honestly believe that God takes care of His kids when the devil doesn't really care about His. Are you with me? When the favor of God is upon you, the blessings of God are on you, and I want you to know that the devil can't curse what God has already blessed. That's a good thing. The Bible says you've been marked with favor. When everybody else sometimes is going through difficult times and they're going maybe through a situation maybe on their job that they've been laid off but, but you still have your job that isn't always the way that it works but sometimes it does the favor of God will take you further than the favor of man could ever take you I just want you to understand that Jacob had, had been marked by his father and the favor of his father was upon him and there's a lot that can be drawn from the story of Jacob to the story of our own life how we did not deserve the favor of of God on our own life, but God looks at us, He does favor us, and He doesn't He doesn't have any uh, you know, somebody said, well, How am I in God? I am God's favorite. You ought to point to yourself or tap yourself and say, I'm God's favorite. There's nothing wrong with that, amen. Being the favorite of God. You can make it without the favor of man, but you can't make it without the favor of God. Look at this, Genesis 37, 6 through 8. I gotta try to get in because I want to tell you the story today, and there's a lot of verses here. This is Joseph now talking. We know that he's marked, we know that he's favored of God. Listen to what he says. Joseph dreams dreams. Anybody in here go to bed and, and you just normally most nights dream dreams? There's a couple of you do. One or two, some of you don't want to say that. You ever wake up and think, man, that was a dream from the Lord. It was a dream from God. Most of mine, I wake up and say, man, I shouldn't have ate that pizza at 11 o'clock last night. <laughs> Amen. When Mr. Snuffleupagus is chasing you down the driveway to eat you, that's pizza. That isn't God. Right? <laughs> you, don't, you never had any dreams like that, right? Some of you, you're going to have to go Google it. I don't even know how to tell you to spell it, you know, to figure out who it is. But anyway, Joseph, look at this, verse 6. Listen to this dream. This is Joseph talking, and he's talking to his brothers. We're out in a field, and we're tying up these bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles were gathered all around it, and they bowed low before mine. Now, he's talking to his brothers. Verse 8, his brothers respond, responded this way. So you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you're going to reign over us? And the Bible says again, and they hated him all the more. Because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Now here's the thing that you need to understand about Joseph. Joseph is 17. I don't know about you, but at 17, I didn't always make the right decision. And Joseph is dreaming dreams that he would tell his brothers about, and he would expect his brothers to be happy about what he was telling them. Hey, I had this dream. You know, I was thinking about these, uh, dreaming about these wheat uh, bundles, and mine stood up, and yours bowed down, and isn't that a cool thing? They didn't like it. 
And the Bible says that he would dream these dreams and he would, re he would reveal them to his brothers. The truth of it is this, and here's the point that you need to get about the dreams, is that the dreams were from God. They were, God was giving him the dreams and he put it in his heart, but Joseph was too young to know how to articulate the dream to his brothers and he told it too early and he should have kept his mouth closed. Are you with me? I believe that God has touched some of your hearts, some of your lives, and He has also put dreams in your life or a vision of something great that God is going to do in your life, and, he, and there is a purpose for that, but you've got to be careful about telling it too early. Are you with me? There were times in my own life when I could see God showing me what he was going to do in this church through these past 17 and a half, almost 18 years. I would see that. I, I would see a lot of that early on in, the, in, in the, my time here. But God would show me, hey, be careful about telling that too early because not everybody is going to accept the fact that that's what you're going to do. They're not going to accept the fact that what I have placed in your heart and really what I want to do is might be a little bit different than what they would expect. And if you tell your dream, if you tell your vision, some people are going to hate you. Some people are not going to like you. Some people are going to leave you because you're telling in your heart what I'm going to do too early. Are you with what, I, what I'm saying to you? Listen, they will hate you, but it is a dream that God's put in your heart. Why is that? Because you're misunderstood. It's not that it's bad. It's not that any of those things, God really has something He's going to do great through you, but if you tell it too early, people are going to misunderstand you. And when they misunderstand you, they're not going to like you. Come on, somebody. Look at Genesis 37, verses 19 through 20. I've got I to tell my story so I can give you these three points. His brothers now are seeing Joseph come, and here's what they say. Here comes that dreamer. They said, come on, let's kill him. I want you to notice that. They didn't say, let's beat him up. They didn't say, let's kick him around a little bit. They said, let's kill him and throw him into a cistern or into a well. We'll just tell our father that a wild animal come and has eaten him and we'll just see what becomes of his dreams. In other words, let's destroy him and if we destroy him, we can destroy his dreams. I, I, you need to know that the enemy would love nothing more than for some of you to give up on your dreams. He would love for you to give up on the vision that the Lord has put in your heart. I'm just telling you today that if God's put it in your heart, and I am telling you more of a story about Joseph than anything else, but I want you to understand that it parallels to our own life, that if you don't allow, if you allow somebody else, they will try to steal your dreams. They will try to take your vision from you. But you have got to believe that God has something greater. Look at verse 28. I'm jumping down a little bit. They want to kill him, so when the Islamites who were in Midian, the Midianite traders, came by. Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern, and they sold him. They were going to kill him. Now they sell him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to a place called Egypt. I'm going to give you some alignment here, give you a little bit here. Remember that God sometimes will allow you to go through seasons of your life that you don't understand. You don't get why you're there. You don't know why the Lord has allowed you to be in this pit. Somebody say a pit. 
It's a cistern. It's a well. It's a hole in the ground. It's a place that nobody really wants to be in. It's a situational place that you don't like in your life and somehow or another you have ended up in this place and it may be the fault of yourself and it may not have anything to do with what you did but somebody else did to you but regardless of that God seems like he's a million miles away and you're in this pit wondering how you're going to get out of it and there are people around you that have determined that you're better off dead than you are alive but God still has purpose and as long as there's a heartbeat and breath in a person's life regardless of where they are and what they're going through God has purpose in your life don't let the pit destroy you don't let the people around you destroy you realize that God has a purpose Sometimes you're going to go through seasons in your life. You're going to go through a wilderness place. A wilderness is a darkened place that can be physical, it can be spiritual, and it feels like it's raining outside. Anybody not like rainy days? Some people do because they can sleep, but some people get depressed. Did you know that on rainy days? Did you know that some people have to have a certain amount of sunshine in a day or they get depressed? Well, I just come by to tell you something that I feel like is really good today. Even if it's raining, God still rains. Come on, somebody. I said, even if it rains, that the Lord God, he still rains. So Joseph's brother said, let's, let's kill him, but let's don't kill him. Let's go ahead and just make some money. So they sell Joseph. And they put him in a pit. Now does anybody remember, and I'm having to tell this story more than I'm getting to preach it this morning, but listen to this. Anybody remember about him keeping sheep for his dad? And what does he do to his brothers? He tattletales. Go read it back again. The Bible says he goes and tells bad things about his brothers. I mean, isn't that what you, you know, wouldn't that be? So, you know, they want to kill him. Have you ever had a brother that you wanted to kill? No, you shouldn't even answer that. They wanted to kill him. They didn't like him. He's a tattletale. Look at this. So from the perspective of most people, like the, the, the brothers, they would have looked at Joseph and said, he had that coming. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a, a thought there. Have you ever been in a restaurant or you ever been in a grocery store and you got, let's just say a restaurant because you can't really go anywhere. My wife and I know this. Our kids are grown, so uh, we, don't, we don't have small children anymore, but we had at least one son who dealt with colic really bad. And every time we would go into a restaurant, it seemed like to eat, we would sit down with him. He would just start crying for what we thought was no reason, but he was, he was hurting, okay? And we didn't know that. Have you ever been in a restaurant with, and you're just eating, you're, you, you don't have your children, you're trying to enjoy a dinner with your family, and you've got a child that's, that we think is acting up, acting out, and they're just being, you know, doing what kids do, and maybe they're crying and everything else, and throwing food, and this, that, and the other, and Finally, the daddy gets up, wipes his mouth with the napkin, rolls his sleeves up, and takes the toddler, takes the child off, and you looked at your wife or you mumbled under your breath, he had that. (laughs) 
And I want to tell you, that's what they were saying about Joseph. But the truth of it is this. I, I need you to get something. Not every time are you going through a season in your life and you're crying to God and you're maybe whining to God or whatever you're doing, does everybody around you recognize and realize why you're there? They don't look and see. They don't understand. So here's the thing that I need you to get. That, that there are Christians who are watching you a lot of times going through a wilderness season and out of their mouth or out of their brain they're thinking he had that coming. That's why he's in that position. That's why he's going through what he's going through. That's why she's going through what she's going through. But I'm going to tell you this. I need you to hear this because I think it's really true. It's arrogance to speak into a situation that you don't really know the whole story. You may not know why. I, I used to have young guys that would say to me, uh, I, I, I just wished I could have what you have as a pastor or as a preacher or whatever. I want your anointing. Well, you don't understand where I came from to be where I'm at today. You, are you with me? You, you, don't, you don't understand kind of where I came from and what I've been through in order for me to get where I'm at. And there's a lot of people that will look into your situation. They'll look into your thing and they'll see you in a bad season. And instead of praying for you, instead of saying, oh, I, I'd love to help them, wrapping a towel around their waist, they'll look at you and say, well, they just had that coming. And the truth of it is, it's arrogance of a Christian to speak into a situation that they truly don't know about. Come on, somebody. This will preach right here at this one point. It'll preach. Amen. It'll preach. So for me to say that somebody has it coming, that's not my place. My place is to understand they may be going through a dark season in their life. They don't know why it's happening to them. They don't understand why it's happening to them. And yes, they may be young in the Lord and they may not gather at all. It is your place not to say you had that coming, but to step up and say, hey, look, let me hold your hand. Let me pray with you. Let me cry with you. Let me help you through this time because I don't want you to walk alone. I know that God said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. But the truth of it is, flesh wants flesh walking with them. Nobody wants to be alone. Ain't that true? Because we can say, hey, God's with you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. But the truth of it is, we want to know that we got somebody on our side with us. Amen? Amen. So it's arrogance to speak into that. So God had Joseph on a journey. He's going to go into a pit. The Bible says not only is he going to go into a pit at about 17 years old, he's going to leave that pit and end up into a prison that he didn't deserve. And then he's going to go from that prison, the Bible says, to a palace. And I want you to see three things real quickly that I want you to understand about this little bit of a story that I've shared with you. And that is, first of all, that God is preparing. Now, I, I've shortened this because God was preparing Joseph. But just as much as he's preparing Joseph, he's preparing you. Look at ch chapter 39, verses 1 through 3. When Joseph was taken by the Egyptians or, the, or, or taken to Egypt to the Ishmaelite traders. Now, let me stop here and say this. We talk about the 400... Uh, the children of Israel being in bondage for 400 years and then being in Egypt. I'm sharing this with you today to tell you a little bit more about the story, but to let you know this is how they got there. This is how the children of Israel got there. Joseph went to Egypt. And you say, Pastor, I don't understand. They spent all that time in the wilderness. They spent all that time in Egypt. Hold on. 
Because in the middle of what God's doing, I need to show you something here even greater. So he took them by, uh, by Islamite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar is the name of the officer or is the title of that Egyptian officer. They would call him Potiphar. He was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh is a king. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Wait a minute. He's taken bound. He's taken to Egypt and he's not in a good situation. And the Bible says that the Lord is with him. So he succeeded in everything he did. As he served in the home of this Egyptian master. What is he doing? He is actually serving them. Verse 3, Potiphar noticed this and realized, look at this. He's an Egyptian. That the Lord, not just any God, but the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. Now, I want to ask you something. I'm having to jump through this story pretty quick because it covers... A couple of three chapters here. If Joseph was going to eventually lead as the captain's second in command, because that's we know the story, we know where he's going to end up, we know the big picture. If he's going to do that, and he will, he's going to lead second in command in Pharaoh's army. Would he not need some training? Would he not need to learn how to do that? So would it not be appropriate that the very place that God is taking Joseph while he is uh, being sold as a slave to Egypt was to the captain of the guard's home? Are you with me? That's where he's going. So he's there. Are Are you on the same page? And here's the point of this, this, this point here. Maybe you're going through something today and, and you think maybe it's such a, this is such a dark place. I don't like it. Maybe God is punishing me. Have you ever thought that maybe God is not punishing you but that God is preparing you for something that's beyond your imagination, beyond your thoughts, beyond your prayer life, beyond what you could have ever thought? Have you ever thought about that? In other words, the dark place that you're in right now, the dark space, the wilderness, the place that you feel like God somehow abandoned me. He's a million miles away. Maybe God is not punishing you. Maybe God is preparing you for your future. Maybe God is trying to propel you into something bigger that you never even thought in your mind. Maybe God's taking you the way of the wilderness to get you ready for what he has ready for you and you don't want to fail the test. Most of us think that somehow God is punishing us, but the truth of it is God's preparing you, not punishing you. I'm going to tell you battles are going to come in your life. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. He told us that. And scars are a part of your testimony. In fact, that is the leading of God in your life, and He leads you through the battle. It's God who brings you through them. Listen to this again. Battles will come, but your scars are a testimony of the fact that not only do you have the scars, but it's God that's leading you in the battle and then through the battle. I need you to hear something. God never leads you into a place that He doesn't lead you through that place. 
Read your Bible. Read it any way you want to read it. And you're still going to find the same thing. The Bible says that Jesus went up into the wilderness led by the Spirit. If you read your Bible, you're going to find out that Joseph was led by the Lord. He was led by God. What do you mean he was led by God? The Bible says, and God was with him. He was with him. He was with him. There's his promise that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even in the darkest moments of your life, he is walking with you maybe God's not punishing you but God is preparing you maybe you when you thought God was a million miles away the truth of it is he's blazing the path ahead of you amen 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 for Joseph it doesn't look like that God's leading him but hear this when the when God's favor the mark of God you're a Christian a believer is upon your life, there is a target on you too. When the favor of God is upon your life, I want to tell you the target is on your life to intercept the dream or the vision that God has put into your heart. And for Joseph, while he didn't look like the favor of God was upon him, he didn't feel like the favor of God was on him. Why? First of all, he's going to be falsely accused. He was, he was sold by his brothers. He was falsely accused by, by Potiphar's wife. He's going to be thrown into jail. But when Joseph gave a word from the Lord in the palace, everything around Joseph turned to the favor of God. He realized, hey, God's got me here for a purpose. So before I jump ahead in my story, when God's trying to get something to you, he first has to get something through you. When God's trying to position you, He's trying to help you get where you're going. When God's trying to get something to you, a lot of times He's trying to get something through you. I'll bring this together in just a few minutes. So the first thing is that God's preparing you. The second thing is this, it's God God is protecting. Look at this, Genesis 39, 6-9. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibilities. He sees that Joseph... He's smart. The Bible says he's a good-looking boy. It says, gives him responsibility over everything he owns. He basically gives him the keys to the house. He gives him the keys to the palace. And with Joseph there, there, he did not worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. In other words, there was plenty there. Just wanted to make sure there was plenty to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Come on, somebody. Say he was cut. He was buff. He he was a gym boy. Come on now. I don't know, but it says that he was a well-built young man. Look at this. And Potiphar's wife. It's funny that it never tells us in the Bible his wife's name, does it? I've nicknamed her. Y'all going to love this. If he's Potiphar, she must be Hotifer. Because... Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. In other words, she looked at him with strong desire. She's married to Potiphar, but she's not satisfied with Potiphar because she has found herself a young man in the house who's well, uh, he's a good looking and he is a handsome man. And she says to him, come sleep with me. I'm going to stop here just a we see this and we think, man, that's just so far out of the scope of everything 
come sleep with me. She just said, you guys are adults in here, these kids. She just said, come on, have sex with me. Let's get it on. That's what she said. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm rewording it. It's mine. I'm going to preach it. That's what she said to him. Joseph has the keys to the house. He has been trusted by Potiphar to do whatever he needs to do in the house. He could have easily slept with her. He could have easily had this affair with her. But look at this, what he said in verse 8. But Joseph refused. Let me tell you something. When God's trying to get something to you, He's trying to get through you. A lot of times it's a test of your character. Don't think that God won't check your character. There are times He'll put people in your path. Or Let me back up. There are times people will be allowed to come into your path that are nothing more than a test in your life. And if you fail the test, it's a failure not of God as much as it, well, it is a failure of God, but it's a failure to God, but it's a failure of our character and our integrity. Look at this. So he, she, he says, he refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me, not one thing, except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do, look at this, such a wicked thing? He didn't say against Potiphar. He said, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Look at this. First, even if Joseph's situation, in his situation, he could have been tempted. He could have been tempted to give in and give up on God. Why? He's been sold by his brothers. Lied about to his dad, uh, told to his dad that he was dead. That's the other part of the story. You, most of you have heard it in Sunday school. He has been sold off into slavery. He's had all of this stuff go on in his life. And Joseph probably has in his mind, hey, I just need to do the right thing here. Because most of us believe and have heard the thought that if we just do the right thing, everything's going to turn out right. Hold on. The Bible says it would be a great sin. So Joseph looked at his situation. He could have easily given up on God. Joseph's a good-looking man. He's tempted. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. But God was protecting him. That's where we are right now. He's looking out after him. How? Let's look at some of the rest of the story. Verses 14 and 15, uh, 13 and 14. When she, saw, when, when she saw that she saw she was, he was holding back the cloak she held. In other words, he ran... She grabbed his coat or cloak, and when he ran off, she's got his clothes. Are you with me? Or at least his shirt. She calls out to her servants, and she says, and they, the men come running. She, look, she said, my husband has brought this old Hebrew slave up in here, and to fool us all, he came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. Let me go back. I have heard people say that if you do the right thing, it will all be good and it will turn out. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Joseph did the right thing and he ran, but it's still true that bad things happened. I just come by to share with you because it's easy for us as believers to jump up and say, yes, if I do the right thing, then right things are going to come my way. Because I, I want to tell you that bad things still happen to good people. 
And that's not to discourage you. That's to encourage you that God's still not trying to punish you. He may be just trying to prepare you so he can protect you. Because he was protecting Joseph in the middle of this. Look at verses 19 and through 21. I'm having to jump through a lot of verses here. Potiphar, you remember him, right? That's Potiphar's husband. He hears the story about what his wife says. One side of the story. And the Bible says Potiphar was furious. Somebody say, he wasn't just mad. He was furious. When he heard his wife's story about how Joseph treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him in a prison. Look at this. Now you need to notice something here. Because he didn't just put him in prison. He he didn't just put him in prison. Look, Look here. So he took Joseph and he threw him into prison. Look at this. Where the king's prisoners were held. Y'all have heard about uh, going to prison and then you've heard about going to, uh, to the country club. You know what I'm talking about. You know, folks, they get for tax invasion and stuff and they can't throw them into places where they put in people that have committed murder so they put them in another place. That's what, I need to get that to you because you need to understand where Joseph is really going is a bad place. It's not a good thing, but it's where the king's prisoners are held. In other words, the ones that he wants to deal with, they kind of, it isn't really a country club, but it ain't the worst of the worst. Are you with me? Here's what I need you to see in the next part of it. And there he remained, but look at this. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And showed him his faithful love. And the Lord uh, made Joseph a favorite with the prisoner warden. Can I tell you again? I know I'm having to teach this more than I'm preaching it. But when the favor of God's on your life, when you are God's favorite, if you're his child, the favor of God will rest on you. It doesn't matter if you're in the palace, the prison, or the pit. God is trying to do something in you and through you. But he's got to get it to you to get it through you. And most people want to give up on God. They want to quit early on on God. And this situation Joseph didn't. Look at this. The Bible says that that his, his intentions were misunderstood. He could have easily said in all of this, God don't care about me. Are are you on the same page with me? God doesn't care about me. Why in the world, if God cared about me, why in the world would I be where I am right now? Why would I be in this situation? The truth was that God was leading, protecting him the whole time. Why? Because Joseph should have died at the hand of Potiphar. He really should have died. You ain't even Potiphar. But if you knew somebody was messing around with your wife and thought that he had tried to do something that was ill intent, he would never get to the jail. You do, some of you done said it. You know what you'd do. Or you know what you've already thought in your mind. Are you with me? Potiphar could have spoke the word, got by with it, and had him killed. Can I tell you, the reason that he didn't die was because God had put a dream in Joseph's life and God can't lie and God had a plan for Joseph and Joseph's character was tested and in the middle of that, God was not punishing him but he was preparing him and he was protecting him for what was to come. Bigger things. And the Bible says the Lord was with him. I need to give this and point this out to you. Never give up on God who has never given up on you. This is very simple this morning. Just like last week. To me, it's very simple. 
So God allows Joseph to be in the king's prison. Watch how God's protecting Joseph. If, if you're going to be the captain of the guard again, where else can you learn correct political protocol? If I said in jail with a bunch of thugs, some of y'all get offended at that. But Joseph didn't get thrown into jail with the common prisoners. He got thrown into the king's prison, which tells me, see, some of y'all got to read your Bible a little bit more. He wasn't just there with everybody. He was there with the political elite. He was there with the people who knew the system. They knew how the system worked. And Joseph was going to need that. Can I tell you even the prison that what seems like a setback can actually be a setup in God? That even in the worst of the worst times in your life that you need to pay attention because God's probably trying to do something in you that you never thought he would ever be able to do. We know that Joseph's character is upright. He has been tested, but the Lord's favor was upon Joseph. He's in the king's prison. Listen to this. i got to jump through some stuff real quick here. He's in the king's prison. Here's something that happens. You know who's here, who's here with him real quickly? There's two guys that are there with him. One's the butler, king's butler. The other one's the king's baker. Okay, they're two guys from the house. And while he's there, Joseph interprets their dreams. Let me, let me, the the cupbearer, let me give you, it was the cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer and the baker... And, and I can't, we don't have time to read it all, so you're going to have to read this up for, you, for yourself. But he, he interprets the cupbearer's dreams, and he, he tells him all of the things. And Joseph said, look, in three days you're going you're gonna to get sprung. And then he tells him, he said, when you get out, remember me. Now I want you to hang on to that. Remember me. When you get out of here, when you get out three days, your dream that you've had, you're going to get out of here. Now look at this. The second guy comes, if you'll read your Bible, and this is what it basically says. The second guy comes to him and says, he heard him telling the other guy, he said, well, I had a dream last night. He's the baker. And he starts talking about this bread he's got on top of his head. And so Joseph says to him, he, the, the baker says, you know, since you interpreted his and it turned out favorably, I'll get you to interpret mine. What can, be, what can happen? And Joseph listens to the guy's dream. And Joseph basically says, this is my terminology. It stinks to be you. Because you ain't getting sprung. You will die. You don't have to remember me. Because you're not going to be around. That's, what, that's, that's the truth. So the, so the cupbearer gets out. The, the other one doesn't get out. See, look at this. Again, we see God wasn't punishing him, but he's preparing him. And not only is he preparing him, but he's protecting him. Now look at this. Joseph tells the guy to do what? Read what? Chapter 41, verse 1. I've had to skip through a lot to get to this point. Two full years later. Genesis 41, 1. Two full years later, Pharaoh now is dreaming some dreams and he's standing on the bank of the Nile River. We don't have time to go into the dreams, but the dreams are real crazy because cows are eating cows. Two full years later, who's back in his house? The cupbearer. 
He's the one that just got sprung out of jail. He didn't just get sprung. He got sprung two years ago. Told him, yeah, I got you, dude. I got you back. I got you. Don't worry about it, Joseph. Two years he forgot Joseph. And then Pharaoh dreams. And the cupbearer was like, hey, I forgot about that guy. There's a guy down in your prison that interprets dreams, but he doesn't just interpret them. They come from God. And Pharaoh says, go get him. Two full years later, and the cupbearer remembers Joseph, and it was for most of us, we would have given up on God. We would have said, God, God, you don't care about me. You've left me here for two more years. But God, look at this. God, uh, Joseph did not give up on God. Look, I'd rather God take me, though, to a place, and I don't want to go to a pit, but I'd rather him take me to the pit, empty me out in order to prepare me for my future and to rescue me than to find me shipwrecked because I wasn't prepared and I wasn't ready and I did something that God didn't want me to do. And you can read the rest of the story. But look at this last thing. The last thing was that God was preserving. He wasn't just preserving Joseph, but he was preserving all of the Jewish people. Today's title of this was uh, Growing Through the Wilderness and it's called The Process. Most of us don't really care about the process. It's like baking a cake and I've used this illustration. You can take a bowl and you can put the cake mix in. You can put the eggs. You can put the milk and whatever else goes in that. And you can mix it up and stand there and look at it as long as you want to. But until it goes into that oven, it will not come out of cake. And for some of us, even after mixing it up and doing what we think is right, it still won't come out of cake. (laughs) The process is part of what we're going through, but God was using it. Time is a factor in our growth. Joseph was 17 and he, when he had the dream, but it took 13 more years before the dreams that he had about the sheaves bowing down or the wheat bowing down and all of this other stuff, it took 13 years for it to come to pass. So God prepared him, he protected him, and he preserved Joseph for something greater than he could ever imagine or he had ever thought. Look at what the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 105, 17 and 9 through 19. Then he sent someone ahead or to Egypt ahead of them. And the Bible in mine, in the New Living Church, it has this dash. And it says Joseph. I I don't know all that the psalmist was trying to get across, but the Bible is telling us, I need you to see this again. He sent them ahead. He sent Joseph ahead. Why? He wanted Joseph protected and he wanted him prepared but the last thing was he was preserving not just Joseph but he was about because I really believe that little dash right there he sent someone ahead of Egypt to them they spent 400 years in the wilderness or 400 years in Egypt you remember that but there was a purpose in Joseph's life because if he had not have sent them that dash right there represents that all of them would have died God was doing something greater in Joseph than he could have ever imagined It wasn't just about Joseph. And some of you need to understand in here today, your life isn't just about you, but God saved you for somebody else. You you need to understand that God's preserved you and kept you. You should have died. You should have probably ended up in hell somewhere. You should probably be in jail still there today. But God has protected you, prepared you, and preserved you, not just for you, but for somebody else. 
He sent you ahead. He wanted you to go because he knew that somebody else needed to hear the gospel truth. Somebody else needed to hear the word that God put deep in your heart. But if you don't say it, come on somebody, if you don't speak it out of your heart, you say, well, pastor, I've been through so much, I don't know how to know what to do. Look at what verse 18 says. They bruised his feet with fetters. In other words, they put him in jail, and they placed his neck in an iron collar. See, we didn't get all of that from the earlier part, but David tells us that this is what happened. Verse 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. God said, son, it's going to be a little while, but don't you give up. And Joseph said, God, I won't give up on you. And look at this. God said, Joseph, I will never give up on you. You may be 13 years for the dreams coming to pass but buddy if you'll hang on if you'll wait just a little while you can look back at your path and see that I prepared you I got you ready I wasn't punishing you in your dark place I wasn't trying to let you down in your darkest hour but I was getting you ready for what I had ready for you there was something greater Joseph you didn't understand but there's something big about to happen in your life come on somebody amen through the pain, Joseph. You may not have understood it. Amen. Through your discomfort, you may not have understood it. But I was preserving you so that a whole nation would know a promise. What is the promise? Listen to this. A promise that God made to Abraham and said, Abraham, look up into the sky. And the Bible said that Abraham looked up. And God said, number the stars. And Abraham said, I can't number them, God. There's too many. And God said, and so will your seed be as the stars in the heaven and the sands of the seashore. You won't be able to number them all. God was bringing Joseph ahead to grow him through the wilderness to make him bigger than what he ever thought he would ever be and to make a nation bigger than what it would ever be. I'm about to close this. Listen to this. This little bitty place we call Israel that'll fit in Texas probably close to three times. You let something happen out west and we may not hear a whole lot about it. But you let something happen in this little place called Israel and the whole world will know it. Why? Because God sent a man named Joseph ahead of them into Egypt and he was preparing them and he was protecting them and he was preserving them. Because if you want to know where we are in God's time clock, just look at Israel. Just see the thing that God was preserving. Just look at the little nation that he called the Jews and he said he would bring them back and gather them from all four corners of the earth and say one day, these are my children, these are my people. Look, our eyes are on them. Brother David sent me something the other day talking about the bombings that had come in. And, you know, a lot of us think about that. And we, we wonder, you know, if somebody bombed the United States, it would be crazy. The thing of it is, Israel's all the time under some kind of attack. Why do you think that you've heard it most of your life? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Israel. Why do you think you hear that? Because there's always been turmoil from a lot of the things that had happened. But I'm going to tell you something. That's God's time peace. That is us looking at what God is about to do. If you want to know where we are, if you want to know how close he is, if you want to know about the return of Jesus Christ, look at Israel. Look at them and just see that God was setting it up for the time that we're in right now. Amen. I want to tell you something. Even when it rains in your life, the Lord God, he reigns. Stand with me, would you? Hallelujah. This scripture, listen to this, in Genesis 50, as we wind this up. I'm sorry, Genesis 49. 
or 42. Genesis 42, verses 8 and 9, that first part of it says, although Joseph recognized his brothers, he's now, Joseph is now, nobody else is greater than him other than, than the one man, Pharaoh. And the Bible says that Joseph is the greatest man. Look at what it says. It says that Joseph looked and saw his brothers. They'd come to him because there's a famine in the land. They would die. Verse 9, and he remembered the dreams. You know what? I, I heard uh, this in a series that we're in right now, and I like it because it's true. He wasn't saying that Joseph remembered the dreams as if, oh, I forgot about what you did wrong to me. As a matter of fact, if you look up, if you look up the, uh, the, the word remembered where it's written here, it's this terminology. It's remembering that he had kept it in the back of his mind the whole time. Not because he was mad. Because most of us would say, yeah, I never forgot what you've done to me. That's what we think. Joseph wasn't saying that. You know what Joseph was saying? The Bible says, and Joseph remembered the dreams. You know what he was saying? He was saying, you know what? I have never forgot the promises that God made to me. I knew he did. I didn't know how it was going to come to pass, but I remembered them. And I want you to know, because now his brothers, they've come into his court. They have bowed down. 17 years old, the dreams that he had, all these years later. And the Bible says, and he remembered them. And the Lord was saying, Joseph, I know it's been a rough 13 years. I know, son, I, I, I know you had to go into the pit. Your daddy's thought you were dead. I, I know that a lot of junk seems to have happened in your life, and you thought that it wasn't a lot of junk. Thank you for not turning your back on you, but I want you to know, Joseph, the whole time that all of this was going on in your life, I never left you, and my favor's been with you, and I made sure that you got into the right pit at the right time. That you got into the right prison at the right time with the right people and I have preserved you for this hour for the people that are ahead of you. In closing this, I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. you. Some of you have been through a lot in your life but I want you to know something. Regardless, God has preserved you for somebody else. He saved you for somebody else. He kept you from dying for somebody else. He watched over you. He protected you. You're not here by an accident. You're not here by an accident. I said, you're not here by an accident. Genesis 50 and 20. He took, look at this, his brothers. I know that you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. It didn't look good, but it turned out good. He knew the whole time that his brothers had set him up. God's got to have something bigger in my life. And I just come by again for whatever it is that you may be facing in your life. It may seem like it's raining, but I want you to know that the Lord God still reigns in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that the story of Joseph reminds me of the story of Jesus. Lord, Jesus came. He was born. Lord, he never deserved to die, but Lord, he came for a purpose. You sent him into the earth for a purpose. The Bible says in John 3.16 that you sent your son into the world. You sent him. You sent him. You gave your only begotten son 
that the lost could know you. Father, thank you for that.